All right, we're back. Today, we're going to talk about sequencing and structuring your online classes. And we're talking really mainly about those of you who are out there and taking the classes that you normally teach, your typical group classes, and translating to the online format. There's lots of other teaching formats you can do online, but that's what we're focusing on for this one. Yeah. So I think the first thing that we have to consider when we're talking about sequencing in the current online landscape is duration, right? So one of the most important things that we're going to see in terms of how students consume or engage with classes online is that shorter classes are much more doable in the home environment, okay? Yes. Right? So, yeah. 90 minutes, really pushing it, right? I would say 90 minutes is like a workshop. Yeah. No. Right. And there are reasons for this. But if we just take a moment to kind of go way back, right? And I mentioned my teacher in the previous conversation, Rodney Yee. Remember, Rodney Yee was so instrumental, as were a couple other teachers of a certain period of time, in making yoga more available for the home practitioner through DVDs and VHS. And the sweet spot that they found in that world was 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. right? Or one DVD would have two or three 20-minute things. Yeah, and you could mix and match. Right. Put it together on some days, not put it together on others. Yeah. And what we were talking about also in that previous episode, so if people haven't watched episode one, you want to listen to that, right? But the other thing that we were talking about is that when people are in a home environment, they're not in a neutral space. So when you are practicing at home, there are more distractions, mm-hmm. right? There's more things that are going to come up. Your kid's going to need something. Your phone's going to ring. You're going to be practicing. And then you're going to realize, oh, man, my phone is right here. I could check email. Like, there are so many more distractions at home. And that's really why this shorter increment works well. It's also just really hard to maintain your focus when you're not surrounded by other people and their energy yes. doing it with you. I would also say, and I was, and I, I think that there are some upsides to being a yoga teacher teaching in this format. But one of the downsides is as the teacher, you also aren't feeding off that group. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually when I'm teaching public classes in person, time flies. Like if I had to stand up and just orate for 90 minutes without teaching a class, that is an insane duration, right? But we do it in public classes all the time. So that's the first thing we have to do is realize let's shorten down that 90 minute to probably 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. Pretty much every studio that I have seen that is converting classes online has embraced that. Mm-hmm. Some studios are still doing 75-minute classes, but I think 60 minutes is probably the sweet spot. Yeah, 40, even 45 minutes, yeah. I think. You know, I'm yeah. gonna, I've been doing some classes with a studio in Detroit. I'll give her a little shout-out. Yep. Naomi Gold at Detroit yep. Yoga Lab, just because I love her. Totally. And she's trying to keep her studio going, so I'm supporting her. And she's. I'm going to do the first, I haven't done it yet, but the first 45-minute class with her next week. It's like, it sounds perfect. I know that my kid in the middle of her homeschooling day can deal with being without me for 45 minutes. I think we have a culture that feeds on aspiration and aspiration makes a lot of sales, but we also have to be really practical. We have to be reasonable. 
and we have to be consistent. So there's no reason to set up some aspirational scenario where I'm going to practice four hours a day. Yeah. You know, and then fall short of it. Yeah. You know, it's much better to have a a, a more manageable duration and intensity. And then you have time to cook to make your pastries. Exactly. And to do all make all your baked goods and have your pound cake. Exactly. And you have time to have that third cup of coffee with your pound cake. Exactly. All right. Well, let's talk about what teaching themes and postures are really important right now. We started to talk about that a little bit in the last episode. Yeah. At the very end of the last episode, I gave kind of a a simple framework, right? Which is most of us already have a fairly sedentary lifestyle, but this quarantine situation has intensified our sedentary lifestyle big time for most people. I also, again, I was talking in the last round about not being presumptuous, but psychologically and emotionally, this is complicated and difficult. And so I feel like people are more sedentary and they have probably, they may be tending towards more mental weight, more emotional weight, more stress. Yeah. It's a hard time. Big time. And so... That to me means get people moving. Like that's the first thing I think of is do I have a ton of respect for quieting, soothing, restoration-based practices? Of course. Are those wonderful? Of course. Especially if they're complementary to a more physically robust lifestyle. But if we're in this very sedentary thing, my first thought with sequencing is let's move. Let's move the whole body. And let's have a couple points of emphasis that counter the sedentary things. So for me in public classes, I usually spend the first, even in a strong flow, I usually spend the first 15 minutes is kind of slowly getting things going. I mean, I engage people in the body right away. Oftentimes the first pose is down dog. But even in a flow class, I'm not trying to get people at rhythm until about minute 15. Okay, but now in a 60 minute class at home, I'm trying to get people at rhythm by minute three or four. Yeah. Right. So I'm kind of as a sequencer, I'm kind of bringing the movement even earlier within the duration of the experience. Uh The next two points that I just ticked off there, whole body practices. Right. I know that right now I want to take my spine, my hips, my shoulders through their full range of motion. I want everything to do a little bit of everything. But then that final thing is there are still some focal points that I need even more. Yeah. Which is my head is forward and down in my computer. My arms are pulled forward. My upper back is rounded. My hips are flexed. So I'm doing a lot of high lunges. I'm doing a lot of low lunges. I'm doing a lot of that front body lengthening and that back body engaging. I'm doing a lot of anterior shoulder opening. So all of those things that strengthen the backside and open the front side are the focal points within those contexts. I'll say one more thing just about the mental weight and the stress. There's no one simple, easy solution to manage psycho-emotional dynamics, but... 
regulated and consistent breathing is at the heart of stress management and self-regulation from a yoga perspective, right? And so having a phase of class where you have really consistent tempo so that people are regulating their breath for a consistent period of time, I'm not going to say that's going to take the stress away or the sadness or the depression or the anxiety, but regulated breathing is a good way to help us self-regulate. Sure. And I mean, it's also, if you want to allow people to rest in meditation or shavasana and get there, it's usually easier if you help them move first and burn off that any anxious energy. I always think of it when I'm in that state of like, I need to burn off stress right now. Yes. Like I need to, I need the fire. I need the tapas needs to be there. I need the fire to get going. Yeah. I was thinking about this is for me, especially not so much this week, but the previous weeks, I heard someone on the news talking about this. I wasn't just stressed. I really felt like this is survival mode. Yeah. Right. This is survival mode and fear mode. And I know for me that that makes me peak, right? That gets me into this very accelerated state, right? And so I, I've had a lifetime to deal with anxiety, okay? <laughs> yep. So I've gotten kind of good at You're it, a pro. right? I have kind of a lot of experience with <laughs> For me, dealing with survival mode and dealing with high-level stress starts with burning it off. I got to give it somewhere to go. I have to kind of burn those flames out. I can't say, you know what I mean? Like if you're stressed out, if you're like in survival mode and I tell you to relax, is that in any way helpful? No. If we go for a walk, might it be helpful? Yes. So so just kind of like thinking like, oh, someone is really stressed. I need to give them soothing things. Maybe. But I think there's a there's a more skillful and realistic arc which is we need to get through that through movement and calibrated breathing and then kind of then foster that relaxation response. Yeah, yeah. And I think different people are different. I think for me, as long as I have some, you know, my heart rate is up for consistent 20 minutes, you know, throughout my exercising per day, I can then get up and do a sitting practice or something like that. But it's like, I, that exercise has to be there at some point. Totally. That heart rate has to be there. Totally. Yeah. I want to ask you kind of a practical question, which is how are you dealing with, are you practicing with the group or not? Because it seems to me like if you're leading the group and you get a little eh, and the screen freezes, they could be behind you, right? Like it's hard to teach people live through the camera, through the, yeah. I think what you're saying is, am I practicing with the group? Yeah. Or am I not practicing with the group? That's what I'm trying to ask. Yes. Well, we've done three things, right? We've done three things. And these are also the, listen, these are also the three things I've done forever on Yoga Glow. There just isn't that, there isn't the live component, but there's three formats. So a format is you have a mic, you're practicing while you are teaching, uh-huh. right? Here's a big upside for that. The big upside is that the is that the audience gets to see you, and that's particularly valuable for new students. And we're going to talk about this in a in an episode coming up. There are so many new students right now because 
the moms are practicing, the dads are practicing. Dude, I cannot tell you how many husbands are That's practicing so nice. now. Students of mine that are like, my husband has resisted this forever and he's he doing has no class. choice now. He has no <laughs> choice. It's right there. You know what I mean? So when you are visually demonstrating and doing the practice with the group, that's good for new students who are visual learners, okay? However, as a teacher, moving and doing the whole practice while talking the whole time can be hard. Right. Especially if you're teaching a vinyasa-based practice because you're talking a lot, which means you aren't getting long, deep inhalations. Mm -hmm. And it also means you, you're not getting able to do like structured breathing, right? But that's good for the visual experience. I'll also say for me, I'm actually, I can be sometimes more creative, if you will, in my own practice than I am teaching. And the reason is, is like in my own practice, I just kind of play around. Uh-huh. But then when I go to teach it, I structure it so it's more like a lesson. So my own practice is more like the laboratory. And then the class that I teach is the lesson based on what I learned in the laboratory. Right. Right. So when I'm practicing along with the group, sometimes I put through combinations that are even more casual and this kind of nice. Okay. The other way of doing it is sitting and watching. Right. Right. Which to that was what I was trying to describe. Sounds like it might be a little bit awkward. Well, it's, it kind of depends, but I, I like it because I have these windows. I feel like I'm a producer of a TV show with all these different camera angles. <laughs> the Truman Show, oh. right? Brought to you by The Truman Show. <laughs> but I kind of like that uh-huh. because I can see people and I can see like... You know, hey, Matthew, bend that front knee a little bit more, right? So the thing I like about that is that gives me the lens of being a teacher the way I know to be a teacher. Right. Okay, so I'm looking at people through a screen. I'm not looking at people here in the room, but I'm still relating to the people that are in that room. There's a third option that works really well for us and might work for some yoga teachers, which is you happen to have a yoga practice, right? That for me is the easiest, best combination. And it has been so beneficial to me. So to teach best someone that's in the room. Shelter in place. Right, to teach someone that's in the room, because then I can do both. I don't have the physical stress right. of doing the practice. But I can watch you. I can listen to your breathing. I can kind of gauge how intense this is. That's another thing, everyone, that's hard right now. is It's hard to gauge how intense something is. Because you don't have that sensory feedback in the room. But if I see you just like starting. When I looked at you the other day and I said, what have I done to deserve this? <laughs> yeah. Then I know, right? Then I know like, hey, I can back it down a little bit. Like I have that, that there's that feedback mechanism of you being in the room. Yeah. And then it also feels like I'm teaching a live class, but I can also kind of look at the camera and, and kind of see what's happening with the group. There right? you go. I'm going to say one more thing, which is this would be a perfect thing if I know that people are can struggle with this once in a while. But if you have a willing beginner at home, and this would be the perfect time for you to be teaching a beginner's class. You know, yeah. it would be the perfect time. Right. So I think a couple of things to just encapsulate. Mm-hmm. Do you have more questions? I along? have one more question, okay, which is it. what are you doing for Shavasana? Short. Okay. Okay. 
so the beginning short, the end short, the middle long. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. The reason that I'm doing the end short, I've done the same thing with my other online content over the years. I, as a student, like this, is a place where where my experience as a teacher is directly related, not just to other people, but to like I know what it's like to be a student of yoga. I have had a home practice for two decades, like pretty much the entire time I've been a yoga student. I've gone to classes. And I've also had a home practice. It has always been difficult for me to do long shavasanas at home. The distractions creep in, and it's also been difficult for me to do seated meditation at home in connection with my asana practice. So when I'm going through phases where I have a more diligent seated practice, it's at a time that's totally separate from my asana practice. This is kind of a long way of saying I find it difficult. Like I am a very disciplined, long-time, self-motivated home practitioner, and I have a hard time taking a long shavasana at home.、Mm-hmm. So it's one of these, you know, it's one of these yoga phrases that sometimes seems like so ethereal. I want to get rid of it, or so vague. I want to get rid of it, but also it works perfectly when you are in a yoga room. It's easier to hold the space. Mm-hmm. For those silent spaces, but long shavasanas online, people get into distractions. The other thing is that when you're online, you're used to listening to someone, and when they stop talking, it's going to start to feel like dead air.、Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if I'm doing a if I'm doing an online class and there's many minutes of seated meditation, our dog is coming in. Let's not pretend it's not happening. If there starts to be many minutes of dead air, people are going to be like, "Wait a second, is this still happening? Did this? Did the buffer zone drop? Yeah. Did the buffer zone drop?" <laughs> Dog, pick her I up. Think, Go ahead and pick her up because it's going crazy. Well, I think this is the sign. It's time. Well, we're wrapping. Okay. okay, but I want to give people the technique to do it. Okay. Okay. So what I always tell people is, okay, we are going to have a three-minute shavasana. You can take shavasana or seated meditation. Okay, there she is. So you can take shavasana or seated meditation. Then every minute on the minute, I'm going to remind you that we're still here. So take seated sh- meditation or lay back in shavasana. I'll tell you when it's been a minute. We'll just do three minutes of that. Then at the end, I say this literally every time: those of you that are sitting in meditation or reclining in shavasana, feel free to stay where you are. Feel free to ignore me. Those of you that are working within the sixty-minute increment, it's time to move on. Let's roll to your right side. So does anybody so stay?、On. Well, I don't know because I end the meeting. Right, but yes,、yeah, some people have stayed okay, for sure. Okay. The other thing, just like total anecdotal. I'd say over fifty percent of the people choose seated meditation. Interesting. I think seated meditation for many people is just a little bit easier in this environment,、mm-hmm. right? So, really quick synopsis in terms of restructuring your sequences: shorter intro, shorter outro, longer period of consistent breath regulation. 
whole body practices with specific focal points. Those specific focal points are the things that are going to help us address the fact that we're living a much more kind of sedentary work life or living life. And then I'd say the only other thing, just to tease some other conversations that we're going to have later, is right now while we're doing this work at home, I think it's the perfect time to start to plan out curriculums more. Yeah. And because we, we, we probably have a little bit more time in one place. So we're going to talk about the idea of developing more of a three-month curriculum and, and kind of as a yoga teacher thinking about sequencing in a, in a longer term Right. And what are way. other options besides yeah. just the daily, replacing your daily classes? What are some other options so you can bring in some more income? Yeah. Hopefully, because we want you all to be thriving and doing well. Yeah. We really do. Yeah. So I would be so curious to know if people are um, watching their classes or doing the yoga with their students or using a family member to help you. You can put it in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram if you are listening to the podcast in your usual spot. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. Sounds good.